0: Let us pray. Oh God, in this crazy world, thank you for this safe place. Help us here to lay down our daggers and our swords, whether in word or material or thought. Help us to open our hearts and our ears to you. Come, let us reason, says the Lord. Let us hear your word. And let us be willing to be changed by it. Amen. Our scripture this morning is um, from Hebrews. This is a sermon to the Jews from... Uh, well, uh, it's a long sermon, much longer than the one you're going to have today. Um, all of Hebrews, we're not doing the whole thing. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the words, the worlds, were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was actually made from things that are not seen. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land that he he would been promised, as in a foreign land, living in a tent, as did his kids Isaac and and then Jacob. Ah. were the heirs with him of the same promise for he looked forward to the city that had foundations not a tent but foundations and the architect was God by faith he received the power of even though he was way over the hill and Sarah herself was barren also older than dirt Because he considered God faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of the heaven, the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw them and greeted them. They confessed that there were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. It is, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. As it is, they desired a better country. That is a heavenly one. After the pain of this past week, the violent evil perpetrated, three mass shootings plus individual shootings all over, including Chicago and right in the middle of the interstate in Houston, if you read. We perhaps know this desire for a better country, what have we become? It's almost like we're wandering in a wilderness looking for the promised land. The preacher said, but as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God prepared a city for them. Well, this week, I was talking to a woman uh, who was telling the story of her daughter who's 29, members of this congregation. And she said that her daughter said, you know, I just, I just, you know, if God took me now, I would be ready because this place is crazy. Now that's sad. When, when hopelessness takes our world, then we look beyond for hope, for what's not seen. Our brothers and sisters who, are, who were rep- oppressed, enslaved African Americans, know about looking beyond for hope when this world was hopeless. When they had been mistreated, bludgeoned, abused, used as property, they knew about looking on. And, you know, I hear stories now, I never would have thought it, that, that some of those slave owners actually abused that sacred gift of hope in heaven to basically placate and opiate the slaves, So they would continue in horror here. Don't you know God was mad about that? Incensed. Sick. Yet on the other side of it, faith was a gift to them because this world was hopeless and it sustained them. I I think of the the spirituals like swing low, come in for to carry me home, get me out of here steal away, steal away, steal away with Jesus, steal away home. He wanted to just sneak home to get out of here. I want to lay down this world and shoulder up on my cross. I want to take it home to Jesus. Ain't that good news? With the assurance of things hoped for, The conviction of things not seen, they believe that God had a promised land. We believe that God has a promised land. When hope runs out, yes, God has built a city where there is no more crying, there is no more violence, and there is no more oppression. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. So God prepared a city for them. Well, there's no greater testament to this hope that is beyond this world than you find when one is facing death. In these last last month or so, we've had a lot of death and dying in our family and extended family. And five of those that I visited, all five, without any hesitation, said... I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I know where I'm going. I know I'm in God's hands. The faith that is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things that are invisible. Well, death death crystallizes things we can see clearly. We see what's important. We see what is just frivolous and meaningless. One of those that I talked to this week, who is facing death, said one thing's for sure, all this stuff, and he points to his house and his possessions, is nothing. If everything lies in my family, in love, in relationships. The truth is that ultimately, love is everything, and it never ends, and it transcends all of this and all of time and all of space. But y'all, Jesus didn't let us just sit back and wait for the ultimate fulfill- fulfillment of the promised land. No, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we, hear, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy, thy invisible city of God come, Thy will be done on earth now as it is in heaven so it's not enough to wait for the city of God we're supposed to be about what is invisible we're supposed to be about what transcends and what moths moths and rust cannot destroy Jesus says again and again we're supposed to be about building the invisible city of God a city that's more real and more true than anything we see. So if we're supposed to build this invisible invisible city, then what does it look like? Well, to me, it looks like this picture. Looks like the front of your bulletin. You've got it on the front of your bulletin. You might wanna look at it. It's a pixelated picture, a collection of little colored squares that an artist has put together uh, very creatively to create an impressionistic picture. Now, I picked this one because I love mountains and because it shows a path, a path not necessarily a destination. And I think that's what Jesus is about. So, to me, the invisible city of God is like a pixelated picture that God painted, where the pixels are people. The pixels are people. See, there's all sorts of colors and different people Right, There's different types. There's, there's tan, there's, there's beige and white and black and green and, and purple and blue. And if you're conservative, y'all do not read this. It is not a political statement. It just happened to not have any red in it. I'm not saying anything. You definitely belong in the kingdom if that's where you have to go with this comment. so um, If you remember before in the prayer, we set all that aside. Okay, not a political statement. If you see, the pixels are masterfully woven together by an artist to make a tapestry-like painting, and it is beautiful. Yet, our tendency in this weary land is to glom these pixels together by color is to, to make tribal pods, is to get buckets and put all the things of the same color in it. And can you imagine doing that to this? You pull all of the, all of the tan ones over to this corner and, and the purple ones up here and the blue ones over here and the, the black ones and the brown ones, and, and it looks like an ugly, bad, gridlocked patchwork quilt that has no meaning. That's what we do. We glom together with those like us, especially when we feel threatened or self-righteous. There's been a lot of both on Facebook. One of my friends posted this question. If a doctor, lawyer, housekeeper, etc. posted a political, moral, ethical opinion other than your own in these trying times... Would you have it in you to search elsewhere for services? It might send a significant message if we all did. We could glom all together and make an ugly picture. Another dear friend, childhood family, uh, family friends of ours, they lived down the alley and um, we got our dog from there as a puppy of theirs. This man is a professor in El Paso, and he is breaking relationship with his family. He says, they drank the Kool-Aid. I'm not coming back. Uh, It's not home anymore. It's not my family. I don't even recognize them. I am soul sick. Me, Ellen. I am soul sick. Do you see? Both of these people are glomming color together. No, they're glomming people together. They're putting them in buckets. They're labeling them. They're reducing them. And they're dehumanizing them. And it's evil. And it perpetuates evil. Do you see what happens to the invisible City of God, when we polarize, when we break relationship, when we stay distant, it's an ugly patchwork. Where's the love? Where's the transcendence? What is worth living for? Jesus says, love your enemy and pray for your persecutors. And I don't think he's talking about love them over there. I think he's talking about loving them here, right in front of you. So I chose this picture because it has this way, you see. And I believe that Jesus is the way. It's not just that uh, that this is more about pathway than destination. It's about the way. But how is this supposed to work? What does it mean that Jesus is the way? Who is in, who gets citizenship in the city of God? Is it just the Christians? Do we have a a monopoly on God? If so, the whole thing would be tan. That's pretty ugly. If we look closer... Jesus said, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." But we have to look at the context, y'all. So, he's talking to his friends, his disciples. He's about to leave them. And he says He says, "I'm going to prepare a place for you in the invisible city." Get it? And and I'll make a place for you, and you'll know the way. You know the way where I'm going. And Thomas says, we don't know the way. What's the way? And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's saying that to his friends who are standing in front of him, who know him personally, and who need assurance that they are on the way. Now, there may have been some Pharisees around, some people um, maybe who, who met Jesus and really, really saw what he was doing and completely, completely denied him and turned away. Maybe they're not going to be in this picture. I don't know how that works. It's not up to me. Meanwhile, today, 2,000 years later, If someone's looking to meet Jesus, they look to the church. And what do they see? Do they see Jesus? Do they see really Jesus? Hopefully here they do. But look at all the churches. I mean, it's like a buffet. You could get whatever you want. We are the only representation of Jesus in this world. Wow, sometimes we do it wrong. So if if that's the case, what is the way to citizenship in the invisible city of God? It's an important question for today. Well, all along, God has tried to show us the way since Genesis. In our reading today, Abraham, he was on the way because of his faith, right? He was on the way. And he and God built a city for him. And then, as we talked about a few weeks ago, God gave the Torah. The Torah is not law. We call it law. The Torah is instruction. The Torah is is how to get on this way to God. It is actually there's a verb and it's like aiming for. If you if you aim for God, you'll get there, and you have to use the Torah. So so the way of God is the way to God. And then we we humans took that Torah and we turned it into a checklist that says, I'm good and you're bad, or I'm bad and you're good, however it looks. And so God started sending prophets to show the way. And then he sent the way himself, right? Remember that Jesus said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I came to be the way. I am the living way. And then we killed the way. And after Pentecost, the church became the way. Broken as it is. And yet... Yet, what about the others? What about those who are not Christians or who have not seen a true picture of Jesus? Is the city of God tan? I've struggled with this a long time. I know that many of you have. We've we've had conversations. I think I've seen some clarity in the last weeks And it came from the words of Christ himself. It's in Matthew 25. And the context here is that Jesus was talking about the invisible city of God, the kingdom of God. He was teaching about it to all sorts of people, Gentiles, Jews, you name it, they were there. And he says this, When the Son of Man comes into glory and all of his angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. All the nations, people who know him and people who don't know him, they're all going to be there. And he's going to separate them. How is he going to separate them? He's going to put on the right hand the sheep, and he's going to say, come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom, this kingdom that's prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you fed me. I mean, you gave me, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you gave me clothing. All these things. And the righteous of all these people, some knew Jesus on a throne, some didn't. They said, we don't even know you. right? How did, we, how did we do this to you? And he says, no, no, no. When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. The way is love for the least of these. When you can't see Jesus or when someone has clouded your picture of Jesus, if you're loving, you're with God, you're in God's path. Love risks. Love is here. Love is not there. Long distance love. If you've broken the distance, I mean, if you've made the distance, is not love. So I had to ask myself for my friend who had broken relationship and really, in a way, tore some of my fabric because this family is a beautiful family. Five kids, parents are now gone. And so, you know, we're called to build relationships wherever we go. So am I supposed to take a stand? Am I supposed to be silent? What am I supposed to do? And I I never write on Facebook like this, but I did. I said, Lex, I hear your pain in the midst of unspeakable evil and violence that come much too near and costing much too much. Yet the fearful reaction to their drinking the Kool-Aid means that you have drunk it too and are allowing the same ideologies to polarize us and to break relationship, resulting in more evil. I'm sorry for your pain. It is valid. But do we have to kill love in the process? Your family is too beautiful to be put into ideological buckets. Please rethink this. Deep love from the Pendergrass Kid. You know, I don't care what the Kool-Aid is. I don't care what the subject is. If you are breaking relationship because they've drunk the Kool-Aid, you have drunk it too. You've given it power over you. You've let it help define you. It is a lie and it is evil. Don't fall for it. Love. Risk for love. Work for love. Speak for love. Sacrifice for love. Love. home is now. Amen.